Tonight's scripture comes from 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11, and 23 through 24. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and the soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, pray with me. Father, uh, it is good to be here. It is good to gather as a, a family, as a community, and to worship you because you are worthy of worship, Lord. We, we run around our days, our weeks, and we, uh, we give our worship, we give our hearts to so much. We give our worry, our mind, our cares, our concerns, our thoughts to so much. But you, Lord, you are the one who is worthy. You're the one who's to be worshiped, to be praised, to be delighted in to be enjoyed, and Lord, we just ask that you would um, continue to keep your good promises to us and use your word, use your Holy Spirit, use this community uh, to change us, to make us more like you, Jesus. Thank you for promising that you will do that, and uh, we just, we engage in worship tonight because we are putting our faith in your promises. We are putting our faith in your finished work. We are putting our faith in your character and who you are and your love that you have for us. And so we are here, um, open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds to know and love you more and more. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Um, it's good to be back with y'all after Daryl uh, took over as acting head pastor last week and fired Jeremy. We got him, got Jeremy back. Uh, Daryl is, it, it's just really cool. That's, that's so fitting that the first ever guest preacher at Midtown West is Daryl Jones because Daryl was my best friend in seminary in Charlotte. And so we were even talking last week, just what a gift it is that, you know, all these conversations we had, there was a McAllister's down the street from the seminary. All the times we ate McAllister's and talked about, what do you think God's going to call you to do? And, uh, and here we are in a different city at the same church. It's beautiful. So I uh, was very thankful to have Daryl here last week. I want to start by telling y'all a story, uh, a, a favorite story of mine. When I was a freshman in college in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, I uh, was just 
a lot of what I was doing in life was looking for stories. I was just looking for experiences, looking for adventures. And so uh, one of these came on a Monday night when I was really bored and had nothing to do. And I had heard somebody talk about how this, this will date me, but um, PlayStation 2 was being released uh, the next day on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, uh, Atari was coming out. And so, no. Um, so I was like, it's Monday night. There's nothing to do. Like, this has got to be good. I, I watched like all these people get in line for like the Star Wars, you know, the first three episodes of the Star Wars movie. I was like, I just want to see what this is all about. So I go to Best Buy, 7 p.m. on a Monday night, and I prepare to wait in line. I'm the third person there. The first person is a guy that you would expect to be there. The second guy <laughs> was not at all. Uh, his name was Big Mike. And if you ever saw the show Robin Big, he looked like Big from Robin Big. And this man was a very large, very intimidating looking man. Um, and he was, he was second in line. And so I just put my camping chair next to him. And we actually became fast friends because the rest of the line was populated by guys like the guy who's first in line. And so uh, Big Mike and I really stood out and we, we found companionship and being different with each other. And, uh, and so Mike was like taking care of me. We, at one point we realized that like we hadn't had dinner and we were hungry. It was like, you know, 11 PM. And Mike was like, I was like, man, I'm so hungry. And Mike was like, yeah, I'm hungry too, man. And uh, he was like, let's go get some Wendy's. And I was like, what about the line? And he goes, it's cool, watch this. And he just stood up and he said, hey, everybody, listen up. He's like, my man Matt and I, we're going to get some Wendy's. And when we come back, we will get our place in line back. Does everybody understand? <laughs> everybody was like, yeah. They were all playing like Magic the Gathering and other things. Um, and so we go, we get Wendy's. I'm with Mike. Like, the world is my oyster because I'm with Big Mike. And we get back, and neither Mike nor I had prepared. It was, it was unseasonably cold that night. And so we were literally sitting in camping chairs with just the clothes that we had on, no, no blankets or anything, throughout the night. We were freezing. We didn't sleep at all. Mike was really excited about PlayStation 2 because of the new Madden that was going to be, be there. And he talked about that Madden a lot and what it was going to be like. <laughs> it's like we were talking about heaven. It's like, what do you think that Madden's going to be like? <laughs> And so uh, we told stories, we laughed, we talked about Madden football a lot, and that kept us going. And then morning rolls around, the sun starts coming up, and some employee from Best Buy walks out with these little paper tickets that had a number, literally like one, two, three, and handed them to everybody for their place in line so that there wasn't going to be like a mad dash for the door when they opened the door. And so all of our places were secure. And uh, so I'm holding this paper ticket I'm so tired. I'm like, our chairs are next to each other. And at one point, I'm just like nodding off. And I'm, I'm falling asleep and my little paper ticket falls out of my hand. And Mike bends down and picks it up and puts his arm around. He's like, yo, Matt, Matt, Matt. He's like, we're almost there, man. You got to stay away. <laughs> He's like, we're almost there. I was like, thanks, man. So, uh, and you know, we were there and there was, you know, there were probably like 10 PlayStation 2s to be had, but there were a lot more people than 10 out there. And uh, so some people were going to go away empty-handed, but not us. And, um, and it just made me think about that story as we thought about, thought about this passage this week. This is um, the last week of our, our study of 1 Thessalonians. And this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to these people in Thessalonica where he planted a church. He had planted this church three months or so before he wrote this letter. And what he had done was he had gone with his friends, um, Silas, and the letter calls him Silvanus, but it's, it's Silas, and Timothy, 
And they had gone and just shared the gospel, and he had taught in their synagogue for three weeks in a row. And that's how this church was founded. And then he had to leave because there was a lot of persecution. There was a lot of affliction going on. And uh, so people got Paul out of the city. And now he's writing back to these people who are still living in it. And he's like, I, I love you. I love these people. I, I want to be with you. I wish that I could be with you. And if you've been with us through the series, like, you know, he spends a lot of time talking about that. And one of the big themes of this letter that he writes is joy in the waiting, joy in, in affliction. And so we thought this would be very appropriate to talk about as we're all experiencing quarantine. And so in this last, uh, last week when Daryl was with y'all, he talked about this passage where it was like this good news um, that, that the Jesus is coming back. Um, and, and he's saying, you know, you don't have to worry about those who you're grieving. You don't have to grieve as those who have no hope. The people who are in Christ who have died, Jesus is going to come back and they're not going to be left out. Um, and now it's like he turns the corner because he's saying, um, hey, don't worry, Jesus is coming back. And then now it's like kind of dawning on people that, oh, wait, Jesus is coming back. And now there's like this anxiety and there's this fear of like, have I... Have I done enough? What does it mean for me to be prepared for when Jesus comes back? Because there's a whole lot of stuff in the Old Testament that talks about the day that Jesus is going to come back is called the day of the Lord. And we're going to get to that in a second. But that was a, a terrifying day every time it's described in the Old Testament. And so it's like, okay, yeah, wait, Jesus is coming back. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing for me? And so um, tonight what we're going to talk about and what Paul is, is talking about with these people to address that concern is uh, the joy in digging deeper into the gifts of Jesus' love for us. The joy of digging deeper into the gifts of Jesus' love for us. And so we're gonna start here. We're gonna start with the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, Paul says here, is gonna come and it's gonna surprise a lot of people and it's gonna terrify a lot of people. Um, what is the day of the Lord? Well, just looking back at Isaiah 13, here, here's a little bit about the day of the Lord. Um, he says, wail, like weep and wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It is destruction from the Almighty. All hands, every person's hands will be feeble and weak and trembling. Every human heart will melt with fear. Anxiety and terror will seize all people. They will be in anguish like a woman in labor. Behold, the day of the Lord comes cruel with wrath and fierce anger to destroy sinners from the earth. Wow, that's really heavy. First Peter 3, Peter says this, he calls it the day of judgment and destruction for the ungodly. And he says, essentially, you are gonna want to hide under mountains because of your sin and your sin being exposed, but you're not gonna have any mountains to hide under because all of the elements are going to melt away and dissolve. And you will be left exposed before God with who you are. And we've all tasted little, little bites of this in our lives. Um, think of a time when your sin has been exposed. Think of a time when you've had a, a reckoning with another person or uh, maybe it was as a kid in school or with your parents or with a significant other. Um, but, the, you know, these times where our sin has been exposed and, and we've experienced a, a little dash of that terror, of that melting heart. Um, and, and God is saying, this is coming on a cosmic level. 
And he also says that nobody knows when this will come, but it will come, and it will come suddenly. It's going to come, Paul says, like a thief in the night. It's going to come like labor pains coming upon a pregnant woman. It's like we're, we're in, uh, this life is like a soccer match, and we're in stoppage time. Uh, we know that there's not a lot of time left, but nobody really knows when the referee is going to blow the whistle. But that's, that's where we are in this stage of things. We are in stoppage time. And we can all relate to that too. A phone call, a car crash, a diagnosis, coming home to your house in flames, coming home to your house broken into. And it's like this moment where just, boom, my reality is different now and it will never be the same. So again, it's like we've, we've experienced little bites of this, but, but this day is coming on a cosmic level. And Paul says that when Jesus returns, the day of the Lord, it will be sudden and terrifying for a certain group of people that he calls the children of darkness, the people of darkness, um, the people who are sleeping, the people who are, are drunk. He doesn't mean literally sleeping or literally drunk. He means they might be, I don't know. But he, he's talking about these people that are, that are gonna be caught unaware. And so who are these people? Um, it's people who are actively trying to avoid God and avoid thinking about him and, and living apart from him. Um, it's, it's sort of like, to use more metaphorical language, it's like living life in the club. It's like surrounding yourself with darkness and drunkenness and loudness to just escape, to escape the reality that there is a God out there who, who is the rightful king of my life, and, and I'm doing everything in my power to actively not think about that reality. I am shaping my life. I am shaping my days and my weeks and my years and my friendships and my relationships and my comings and my goings to avoid having to think that there is a God out there who I am in relationship with, whether I want to believe that or not because he has created me and I am his and this day is coming where no matter how far I wanna stay away from him, I, I with everybody else will be brought into his presence. And there'll be no, no place to escape that. But Paul, thankfully, we don't stop there. Um, we're not going home on that. Paul says, children of light, people who are in Christ, he says, the children of light, the children of the day, don't have to be afraid. You, you will not get caught out like suddenly like a thief in the night. Um, you don't have to be terrified at Jesus' coming. And so who are the children of light? Who are the children of the day? It's the people who are just really good people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it's not. It's not that people are, are good people. It's not that there are good people and bad people. We are all equally deserving of God's wrath because we have all in our own ways run away from him and tried to live life apart from God. So, so these children of light, these children of the day, are not people who are morally superior to the children of the night and children of darkness. The children of the light and the children of the day are people on whom the light of Jesus has dawned. Jesus is the light. Um, going back to more prophets in the Old Testament, these, these men who God spoke through and told about Jesus' coming hundreds of years before he came, um, Malachi and Isaiah, they talk about Jesus, the one who is to come, as, as like the rising sun with healing in his wings. They talk about him as this light. Um, Isaiah says that, uh, that he is a great light that is dawning. And Jesus uses this 
terminology for himself too when he's here in this earth and he's starting his ministry. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. He says that the Father and I will come to this person and make our home in him through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, I, I am the light, I am reality. And when you see me, you see God. And God is here in the flesh, in your presence, saying, believe that I have come to make a way for you not to have to be terrified on the day of the Lord. Believe that I have come and not only have shown you the light, but I've, I've walked through the darkness to give you life, to take your place, to take God's wrath that was due for the way that we were all living. I've come to take that, and so you don't have to be afraid of God anymore. You don't have to run and lurk in the shadows. You don't have to go live life in the club and just turn up the volume and turn up the darkness and turn up the, the drunkenness. You don't have to live in this little cloud where you, you feel like you're Drake, um, but you're not. <laughs> You can now live in reality where it's like a sober person coming into the club to pick up a friend and you realize like this in here is not reality. Reality is out there where you're not Drake. Reality is out there where there's a whole big world out there um, and you're not the center of it. And so Jesus is saying, I I've come to open your eyes, to turn on the light so that you can live and know how to find life and have life in me. Um, Paul says that for us in Christ, we're not in darkness, and this day won't be a surprise. This past week, we were at the, the beach, and one of my favorite things to do in the past few years is to get up before the sun comes up and just walk on the beach and kind of be still and pray. And, um, you know, when I'm walking on the beach, if I'm facing away from the sunrise, um, it's still really dark as the sun is coming up. And, and in fact, like one of the days this week, I was walking away from the sunrise and it was just still dark. And then I, I turned around and saw this, the beautiful beginnings of the sunrise. It was this bright orange, like quarter circle of a sun coming up. And there's this line now on the horizon that was just spreading and growing uh, of just this pink and orange. But it's like, that's, that's a picture of where we are now. It's like the, the light has dawned. Um, Jesus, who is the light of the world, has come and he's lived and he's taught and he's revealed. This is who God is. This is what God's like. This is God's plan for all of human history. And so, and, and now this light is in us. I mean, he says in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world now. And now even more so uh, that the Holy Spirit is living in us. Uh, we are literally the light of the world as Jesus lives in us. We are vessels of the light. Um, and so this light is dawning as the gospel spreads, as this good news of who God is and how he loves his people is spreading and people are believing. Um, this light is spreading. The, the new day is dawning. And now we live in this, this in-between time where it's, it's still dark. There's plenty of darkness, right? I don't have to convince you of that. But also the, the light is dawning and there's a, a new day that's coming that will be fully here one day where all of the darkness will disappear and it will only be light. And right now we're living in this in-between time. And so Paul says, again, you don't have to be afraid. And if you're hearing this and you are one of those people who 
I described you and I said like, you're just sort of actively designing your life to try to avoid thinking about your relationship with God. Hear this good news, you don't have to do that anymore. God knows exactly who you are. It's not like, he, it's not like the day of the Lord is coming and that's the first time that he's gonna know who you are and what you think and what you say and what you do. He knows now, he is the all-seeing God who sees everything. But whether you know it or feel it or not, you were made for life with him. Everything that you're looking for is found in him. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, you, you can come to this place where you need to be, where you want to be, where all your desires are met. It's, it's, not, it's no longer this, this giant fence with the attack dogs out front. It is an open welcome door to come and sit at the kitchen table of your father because of what Jesus has done. So don't stay out there in the shadows. Don't stay out there in the alleys. Come into the house. Just come and believe that he loves you enough to do that and that he has done that and that he wants to have a relationship with you, that he deeply, deeply loves you. And so for those of us who are in Christ, Paul says, um, stay awake. Don't live in the darkness. Live in the light. And, and this is where I want to hang out for a little bit because this is really, really important. This is going to affect how we live our lives from this day forward. Paul says, don't live in the darkness, live in the light. How do we do that? He doesn't tell us that the way to do that is to try really hard. He doesn't tell us that the way to do that is to white knuckle it and try really hard to not ever live in the darkness again until Jesus returns. And there's a lot of twisted teaching out there that talk about um, you know, don't get caught doing something that you wouldn't be proud of when Jesus comes back. And it's this whole way of thinking about Jesus's return that has us living in fear. If I don't get it together, if I don't learn how to live in the light and not in the darkness, then, then maybe me being a child of light is on shaky ground. And Paul is essentially saying, no, if you think that way, then you will definitely live in the darkness because you are still living out of fear and God makes it really clear that perfect love casts out all fear. Uh, this week, I, I got around to watching the Tiger Woods documentary. I don't know if y'all have seen that. It's really well done, really sad and interesting. Um, but one of the things that I, I kept thinking about as I was thinking about this passage was they make a big point in the documentary about how Tiger Woods' father especially um, just right out of the gate, I mean, really from birth, just put this mantle on him that he's li literally, you know, I'm not exaggerating, that he was gonna be the one who was gonna unite the races, that in him was gonna be this new unity of all people because he was like this chosen one. And so he was gonna be so good at golf and, and all these other things were gonna be true about him that he was gonna be this figure that was gonna rise up above all other figures and unite the world in these new ways that have never been true before and bring almost like this new age of, of peace. And that's a really heavy weight to live under for your entire life and to think I'm living, every decision I make, every, every move that I make has to be getting me to that destiny because if I don't get to that destiny, that's on me and, and that's my destiny and if I don't get there, I'll be a failure. 
And so whether it's true or not, I mean, I believe that it is, but the people who made the documentary draw a really deep connection between the secret life that Tiger developed and this just intense pressure of having to live up to this mantle that his father, and then as he got more and more famous, other people were putting on him. And, and that's what Paul's saying here is like, hey, hey, no, <laughs> don't live like this. If you think that the way to live in the light is to just try harder and work harder and know that it all depends on you, um, you you're going to be in big trouble. He says, no, no, no. The way to live in the light is to live deeper into the love that is yours in Christ, to live deeper into the reality of what it means that God has loved you so much that he has sent his son to die in your place and to dwell in you and to make, his, make good on his promise to make you fully mature and fully perfect and fully complete in the image of his son, Jesus. I mean, listen to what he says. God has not destined us for wrath. It doesn't have anything to do with what you and I think our destiny is. God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, that means living or dead, going back to the last passage, we might live with him. We who are in Christ don't need to be anxious about the the Jesus who is coming back because he's the same Jesus that came the first time as a lamb to die in our place. Jesus is not only the lamb who came to die in our place, Jesus is the lamb who lives in us now through his Holy Spirit, who is actively leading us and loving us and guiding us to our destiny. We are not destined for wrath. We are destined to be with God forever. We are destined for salvation. He is, he is the greater and more perfect Big Mike. Um, we are not waiting alone in the Best Buy parking lot until Jesus returns. He is with us. He is putting his arm around us. He is keeping us awake. He is is giving us encouragement. He is actively working, leading us to our future hope. And and I just want to stop here and say all of this, our, our future, our hope, our security in who we are in Christ, our relationship with our Heavenly Father, none of this depends None of this rises and falls with how I feel, with where my emotions are, with where my thoughts are on a particular day. It is far too secure for that. This all rests and is fixed firmly and is rooted and grounded firmly and unmovably in the finished decision of God and the finished work of Jesus Christ for all eternity. Man, that is deep freedom. Because there were some low points this week for me. And in those low points, Paul's saying, okay, now here's how you live in the light. And look what he talks about. Verse eight. Here's how you live in the light. You live further into these things that you've already put on, or maybe to speak more specifically, uh, that Jesus has put on you the breastplate of faith and love, the helmet of the hope of salvation, faith, hope, love, these are ours in Christ. These are not things that Jesus gives us. These are Jesus. 
And he says, live further into what's true about you. Live further, come alongside and just come alongside with what God is doing. It says in verse 23 and 24 of our passage, like not only is, is Jesus the one who saved us, but Jesus is the one who is making us perfect, who is carrying us home, and he will finish what he started. He is faithful. He will do it. So all of this living in the light doesn't depend at all on me. It doesn't happen or not happen of whether I get up that morning and decide to live in the light. It is going to happen because God has destined us for salvation in Christ. But what Paul is saying is God does call us to come alongside him and get in the flow of what he's doing and live into faith, hope, and love that are ours in Christ. Live into the faith that Jesus gives you. Live into the faith that like he's telling the truth that everything he's done Everything that he's doing will be done, is done, is firmly rooted and fixed. Live out of the, the confidence of that. Live out of the love that he has for you. You are never alone. You are loved. The God of the universe dwells in you. You are never alone. And that love, as we live into that love and, and understand it and experience it, and dwell on it more, it changes how we live. And the hope that's ours in him. Paul is talking about these things as armor because they protect us, because there's an enemy who wants to make us believe that all of this rests on our shoulders and we are gonna screw it up, that God can't really love us that much and that we're, we're unlovable and, and we are distanced from him. Paul's saying, no, 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 you gotta put on the armor because you're under attack. But this armor will ward off all of those attacks because it is so strong. This faith, this hope, this love, this hope of salvation that is sure, no matter what's going on in our lives right now, we will be with him for eternity. Like our home, our, you know, Colossians 1.5 says, um, we have a hope that's laid up for us. It's not like, I mean, if this hope is a football, it's not like I'm holding the football, running with it, and defensive backs are trying to like punch it out. Like it's like this football is sitting in a glass case in the Hall of Fame. Like nobody is touching it. Like the hope that we have in Christ is totally secure. So no matter how ugly, no matter how bad it gets here, um, we just know that there is a, a joy that is deeper than our circumstances because of what's coming. When this day that is is dawning and as dawning soon finally dawns completely and as we dig deeper into God's love for us um, Paul says encourage each other this is not this is a team sport that's why he gives us this gift of of us of of you like this is a community this isn't a place where we just come and hear interesting things about what God says this is a place where we together worship Jesus and we together are being bonded uh, so that we can be brothers and sisters at arms, that we can be a band of brothers and sisters who are, are fighting for each other to stay awake and encouraging one another, putting our arms around each other and saying, hey, it's almost here. Like, you're okay. God loves you. Live into that love. Live into that love. And so as we go from here um, this week, you know, what does that look like? That's, that's what I wanna encourage you to go, go with is, is to ask this question. You know, what does it look like for me this week 
to lean deeper into the reality of who Jesus is for me and in me and with me. What, like, he's given me these great gifts of faith, hope, and love that are all rooted in him, but maybe I don't understand them. Maybe those gifts are still unwrapped sitting on the shelf. And so asking him, asking each other to go with you as you ask him, Lord, will you, will you help me unwrap these gifts? Will you help me live out of the, the beauty and the life and the joy and the freedom that come from the faith, hope, and love that are in you? Father, uh, we, we give you ourselves, and we ask you exactly that. Lord, would you, would you continue uh, to walk with us? And I, I love that even as I'm praying this, I'm so encouraged because you tell us right here in your word that you are faithful, that you will keep, you will finish what you started. You will answer this prayer. Lord, would you enable us to come alongside you in, in the work that you're doing in our lives and help us to lean in and experience more and more and understand more and more and just be changed and transformed more and more um, in your faith, your love, your hope that you give us, Jesus, um, in you. And we ask that in your name. Amen.